10.10. The thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says, my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. I like the sound of that. Rich and satisfying. The satisfying part is even better than rich, because you can be rich and not be satisfied. But he doesn't want us just rich. He wants us rich and satisfied. Uh, Jeremiah 29, 11 through 14. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not disaster, to give you a future and a hope. In those days when you pray, I will listen If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. I will be found by you, says the Lord. I will end your captivity and restore your fortunes. I will gather you out of the nations where I sent you and will bring you home again to your own land. So no matter what's going on around us, right, we have a promise. The promise is that it is good. We know that Jesus wants us to be rich and satisfied. He came that we would have life and have it more abundant. And we know that we have a promise that we're going to be taken out of captivity. But there's a couple of things that aren't necessarily um, not really condition of our salvation or condition of God's promise to us. But there are some things that are important. And I shared a little bit about it in the last couple of times I've messages kind of come up and for some reason it's found itself weaving through here again. So I think maybe the Lord is trying to tell us something. Because one of the things I think I shared last time is that we all agree that God is a God of detail, is he not? That when he says something, there's probably a very good reason why he said it the way he said it. And why he tells us to do what he tells us to do when he tells us to do it. So there's a couple of nuggets that I want you to kind of just hang on to. The t- title of my, my message, uh, if you will, is Can You Slash Will You Do What You're Told? Now, we can relate largely, you know, even as kids or teenagers, or, you know, if we don't have any of our own, we've got family, we've got neighbors, we certainly have lots of um, living illustrated sermons all around us everywhere we walk, whether it's at school, whether it's at work, whether it's in the shopping mall, the shopping plaza, the parking lot, the schoolyard, of some of our um, characters that, that are, populate the earth. We are diverse people. But can you or will you do what you're told? And my question is, really? Are you sure? Now, there's a long history of people that didn't quite get it right. We're going to spend a little bit of time tonight looking at it. Um, And, you know, you don't have to go far into the Bible to find the first example. So let's go right there. We're going to go to Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. (laughs) 
<laughs> so Genesis 2, verses 15 and on. It says, the Lord, and of course I'm reading the New Living Translation in case you hadn't figured that already. The Lord God placed the man in the Garden of Eden to tend it and watch over it. But the Lord God warned him, you may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden, except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. Well, those instructions are pretty clear. Adam, looking after the whole garden, you can have anything on any tree except one. Pretty clear instructions. Well, we don't have to read too far to find out how well that worked. Let's go to uh, Genesis chapter 3, verse 17. So we're basically just square over a chapter. And to the man he said, since you listen to your wife. Now, this is not an excuse for men not to listen to your wives, by the way. So don't, don't take this out of context either. And, it said, and he said, since you listened to your wife and ate from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat, the ground is cursed because of you. All your life you will struggle to scratch a living from it. It will grow thorns and thistles for you. Though you will eat of its grains, by the sweat of your brow will you have food to eat until you return to the ground from which you were made. For you were made from dust and to dust you will return." I am so glad we're redeemed from the curse. We're redeemed from the curse of the law, but we're also redeemed from this curse. Jesus came to do a finished work for us. So what I'm talking about here now, remember, is not, it, it's not a factor of your salvation. It's not a factor of the gifts and the giftings that God gives us. Well, on, there, we are going somewhere with this because we are living in a society. Now, maybe it's just me, the way I look at people or I see things. But we are in a largely lawless, disobedient, disrespectful society. We have laws. People don't obey them. You know, we have rules. People ignore them. Now, not everybody and not all the time. But I would, I could probably speculate and say that most of us have not adhered to all our rules and regulations 100% of the time. Just maybe. You know, I know there's probably the, 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 the golden halo sitting out there somewhere that's, that's, you know, the example that we should all attain to, but... I haven't witnessed it yet. So um, let's look at, we're just going to go a few, a few more chapters, skip over a few more chapters, still in uh, Genesis. This time we're going to go to another simple statement that God made to a good man. His name at the time was Abram. So Genesis 12, verse 1. The Lord said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. Well, the first part of those is pretty straightforward, right? Leave your native country, your relatives and your father's family, 
The second part is a little bit more complicated where it says, I'll go, I'll go to the land that I will show you. So he's telling us to go somewhere we don't know where it is yet. <laughs> Some of us can relate to that too. But nevertheless, I digress. We'll stay to the scripture. Verse two, I will make you into a great nation. I will make you famous and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you, curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. So Abraham departed as the Lord had instructed. Yeah, but there's a comma. And Lot went with him. Now, unless I'm mistaken, a nephew is part of the family. Okay. What was he supposed to do? Leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family. Okay. So we can make the distinction that Abraham left and followed the Lord, but Lot followed. And the end result, you know, whose fault is it? The end result is the same. Let's go, skip over a couple of pages. Genesis 13, verses 1. So Abraham left and traveled north into the Negev along, his wife, along with his wife and Lot and all that they owned. Abram was very rich in livestock, silver, and gold. From the Negev, they continued traveling by stages toward Bethel, and they pitched their tents between Bethel and Ai, where they had camped before. This was the same place where Abram built the altar, and there he worshiped the Lord again. Lot, who was traveling with Abram, had also become very wealthy. See, so there are influence when we, when we walk in obedience with God. He'd also become very wealthy with the flocks and sheep, goats, herds, cattle, and many tents. But the land could not support both Abram and Lot with all their flocks and herds living so close together. So disputes broke out between the herdsmen of Abram and Lot. At that time, the Canaanites, the Canaanites and the Perizzites were living in the land. Finally, Abraham said to Lot, let's not allow this conflict to come between us or our herdsmen. After all, we are close relatives. The whole countryside is open to you. Take your choice of any section of the land you want, and we will separate. If you want the land to the left, then I'll take the land to the right. If you prefer the land on the, on the right, then I will go to the left. So what happened with a slight variance from the specific instruction entered strife and discord. Now, that didn't negate prosperity. Because we fit, not only was Abraham rich with stuff, like not just like rich, like spiritually rich, like he had, he had stuff, right? Livestock, silver, gold, that stuff. And Lot also had stuff. He was rich. So they were prosperous. They were doing good. Not obedient, or not fully obedient, and I guess this is kind of this is what kind of what I'm what I want to get at is we want to see a greater move of God. At least I do. Are you with me? Oh, yeah. <laughs> we want to see the miracles that we've heard about, that we've read about. We want to experience the power, the moving of the Holy Spirit. Now, what we do or don't do doesn't impact the power of God, right? God is all-powerful whether I'm a sinner or a saint. God is able to move a mountain whether I carry a shovel or not, 
God is able to reach the world whether I choose to participate or not. But if I'm going to fulfill my purpose on this side of heaven and be able to attain all that he wants me to be, then there's a part that I have to play. Here's an illustration that, 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 that came to me again. I wish I had you know, the time and the ability to be able to, to put it all together. I would have done it as a, as a visual illustration. But I can carry more gold in an empty wheelbarrow than I can one that's filled already with 50 pounds of mud. Would you agree? An empty bucket will hold much more stuff than one that's already got three quarters full. Now, you can fill it up so you can get stuff in there. But if the stuff that's at the bottom of the bucket is mud and the stuff at the top of the bucket is gold, which would you rather have, a bucket full of gold or a bucket full of mud? I'd rather have the gold, right? Well, if you're the bucket, what would you rather be full of? Gold or mud? <laughs> See, we're, we're in a land full of mud. There are other words I could use, but we are in church, so. Recently, again, in the interest of time, I'm not going to read it verbatim, but recently in, in uh, Exodus, it talked about the, the Hebrews, right? And they were in the wilderness, and they were doing what they were famous for, murmuring and complaining, right? They were whining because they had no water, right? Or they were whining because they had no food. So the first example, of course, is, is uh, that of manna, right? And they were told very specifically, right? Pick this much manna and pick only enough for the day, for six days. On the sixth day, right, you're going to pick enough for two days, right? What do we know happened? Those went and they figured, no, they better take more than what they really need so that make sure that, you know, we're looked after because we're not sure God's going to do what he said he's going to do because that's really the heart right? That is really what happens when you don't follow the instruction. It's like, did God really say, is he really going to meet my need? Eh, he said he will, and I kind of trust him, but I uh, kind of don't. That's what we're saying. Whether we choose to accept it or not, there's no other reason for that mentality. So the Israelites collected it, and what happened? They said that if you kept more than enough and you kept it overnight in the morning, it's going to stink, it's going to be rotten, it's going to smell bad, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be full of maggots. Except on the seventh day, and you picked enough on the sixth day for the seventh day as well, it will keep overnight, and there will be enough, and it won't smell bad, it won't look bad, it won't stink, it won't be full of maggots, uh, but there won't be any outside. So don't go looking for it. Well, what did they do? They went out and looked for it. It's like, okay, people, this is fairly simple instruction, right? We should be able to handle this. Yeah, well, okay. 
See, God also is a God of, of, uh, of diversity. He doesn't always do things the same way. Have you noticed? So, similar example, we talked again. With, again, I'm, I'm picking on some of our, our patriarchs of the Bible. Because, like, I mean, these guys had it together, right? Like, we read about them every time we pick up the Bible. Right? So they were there for us for an example. So it, if everything we believe that the Scripture is, is inspired and is for the purpose of our training and for our edification and encouragement, then there's probably a pretty good chance there's a lesson in there for us to learn. So here we go. So um, um, we got another example this time, and another a very well-known individual in the Bible. His name is Moses, right? So in Exodus 17, in verse 5, it says this, The Lord said to Moses, Walk out in front of the people, take your staff, the one you used when you struck the water of the Nile, and call some of the elders of Israel to join you. I will stand before you on the rock at Mount Sinai, strike the rock, and water will come gushing out. Then the people will be able to drink. So Moses struck the rock as he was told, and water gushed out as the elders looked on. Wow. That's an amazing, that's an amazing sign. And it was done at the hand of man, right? God could have just made the rock gush out, but he used a vessel, and that vessel's name was Moses. Now, there are times when I dare say, of pastor of three million, Moses did not want to be in that position, especially when they were grumbling and complaining as frequently as they did. Both he and God got tired of it at times, and we can read the account of that. We're not going to spend any time there now. Now, this was not the only time Moses was used to bring water from a rock, but he didn't do it the same way the second time, or let me rephrase that. God's instructions to Moses were not the same the second time as they were the first. Let's look here in Numbers 20. Numbers 20, verse 2. So again, there was no water for the people to drink, and they rebelled against Moses and Aaron, and that was nothing new. The people blamed Moses, and that was nothing new. If only we had died in the Lord's presence with our brothers, why have you brought the congregation of the Lord's people into this wilderness to die along with all our livestock? Why did you make us leave Egypt and bring us here to this terrible place? The land is no grain, no figs, no grapes, no pomegranates, no water to drink. Moses and Aaron turned away from the people and went to the entrance of the temple where they fell face down to the ground. Then the glorious presence of the Lord appeared to them and the Lord said to Moses, you and Aaron must take the staff and assemble the entire community. As the people watch, catch this now, speak to the rock over there, and it will pour out its water. You will provide enough water from the rock to satisfy the whole community with the livestock. So Moses did as he was told. He took the staff from the place where it was kept before the Lord. Then he and Aaron summoned the people to come together to gather at the rock. Listen, you rebels! Must we bring water from this rock? Then Moses raised his, hand, raised his hand and struck the rock twice with the staff, and water gushed out. Okay, so wait a minute. What were God's instructions to Moses? 
speak to the rock. What happened with Moses the first time when he got water, when the Lord provided water out of the rock? What did he have to do? He had to hit the rock, right? Same rod, same God, different rock, same guy, different instructions. God told him to speak, but he struck the rock in frustration, I might add, right? You rebels, right? Must I? As if he had the power to do it. Anyway, but God was still gracious because what happened? Water came out of the rock. And the people were filled, and the dry livestock were filled, and they drank their fill. But, okay, so here's the part that I want to get. There's, there's, there's that little catch, right? There's that little, yeah, it all worked out. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not trust me enough to demonstrate my holiness to the people of Israel, you will not lead them into land I am giving them. This cost Moses dearly, right? He still led the people. He didn't get to lead them into the promised land. So, okay, so we've, 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 Adam and Eve, right? Abram, Moses, yeah, okay. So surely that happens only to regular people and not with those in holy office or in leadership, right? Well... Uh, let's look at a priestly example, shall we? Let's go to Exodus chapter 30, and verse 7. Now, is this, these are instructions for, for part of their sacrifice and offerings. And again, God's a God of detail. He's a God of order. We don't have the book of Leviticus and the book of Exodus and Numbers with all those details for no reason. Sometimes I know we wonder when we read them when we're doing our, our, our daily reading or our annual reading. Sometimes we wonder again, right? And how many times do you have to, to read about the nine bullocks or the seven goats or the whatever it is, whatever the process is, and how many different times it's done? And the same thing. There's a reason that God has this much detail. Anyway, I digress again. So let's go back, back into the Word, verse 7. Every morning when Aaron maintains the lamps, he must burn fragrant incense on the altar. And each evening when he lights the lamps, he must burn again incense in the Lord's presence. This must be done from generation to generation. Do not offer any unholy incense on the altar or any burnt offerings, grain offerings, or liquid offerings. So those instructions seem pretty clear too, right? Well, how hard is it to screw up? Well, let's go to Leviticus chapter 10. So the instructions were given to Aaron, right? And Aaron was teaching his sons. So he would have given the instructions to his sons. And in this case, his sons, uh, Nadab and Abihu. They put coals, so Leviticus 10, verse 1. Aaron's son, Nadab and Abihu, put coals in fire in their incense burners and sprinkled incense over them. In this way, they disobeyed the Lord by burning before him the wrong kind of fire, different than he had commanded. So fire blazed forth from the Lord's presence and burned them up, and they died before the Lord. Then Moses said to Aaron, 
This is what the Lord meant when he said, I will display my holiness through those who come near me. I will display my glory before all the people. And Aaron was silent. Yeah, I think I'd probably hold my tongue too. Then Moses called for Mishael and, and uh, Elsevan, Aaron's cousins, the sons of Aaron's uncle, Uzael. He said to them, come forward and carry away the bodies of your relatives from in the front of the sanctuary to a place outside the camp. So they came forward and picked them up by their garments and carried them out of the camp, just as Moses had commanded. So we have numerous examples. And again, I got more examples than I got time. Just outside the promised land. Just outside the promised land. They could see it. In Deuteronomy, it says, um, you have stayed in this mountain long enough. It's time to break camp. Now go, go to the hill country. Take possession of your land that I have given you. Go, take the land. Any gray zone there? Like, is there? Does God mean what he says? Will God do what he says he will do? Yeah. You would think, after all the time that they have spent seeing this, that they would know this. Now again, it's easy for me to go back and look at them and say, oh, guys, how dumb are you? Like, could you not do what he said? But last time I checked, we put our pants on one leg at a time, Right? We still have a choice every morning to do or not to do, to listen and or not to listen, to obey or disobey. See, in Deuteronomy chapter 1, uh, no, uh, we're going to skip over that part. We're going to go to uh, Deuteronomy uh, 1 verse 20. Uh, I said to you, you have now reached the hill country of the Amorites that the Lord our God has given us. Look, he has placed the land in front of you. Go and occupy it as the Lord, the God of our ancestors has promised you. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. But you all came to me and said, first, let's send out scouts to explore the land for us. Again, why would they say that? There's only one reason why they would say that, is they're doubting whether or not what God said is true. Unless you're different than me, there have been times in your life where you have wondered, yeah, but is it really, you know, am I really hearing the voice of the Lord? Did God really say? We need to sharpen our ears. We need to train our brain, right? We need to renew our mind, right? As we continue to study his word and continue to pray in the spirit and practice one of the most important gifts of this age, I think right now is discernment, right? We need to be able to discern what is right and what is God because not everything good is God, there are traps and there are pitfalls. We can be lured away. Remember the garden? 
It looked good. It probably tasted good. But it wasn't on the menu. They weren't supposed to partake of it. The devil stretched it, and he tried to say, you're not even supposed to touch it. That wasn't part of the instructions. It said, don't eat it. Just because you're served something doesn't mean you should be eating it. <laughs> you know, I'm, 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 speaking, I'm speaking like, you know, we're entering very, very crucial days. We're believing that the Lord is coming back soon, right? Imposters are going to soon start showing up. Are you ready? Right? There are going to be wolves dressed like sheep. Some of them are going to look and sound like pastors. And some are going to lead, the scripture says, that going to lead, if it were possible, even the elect. There's a lot of elect that have already been led astray. And we're not even in the last of the last days yet. Yeah, we're all, the, the time is coming, right? We know, it, we know it's near. We can, we can feel the intensity increasing. Right? When, you're, when you're going through some of, some of the issues and some of the challenges and some of the struggles that we see, like even on a weekly basis, you know, as you're preparing for ministry, whether it's worship or whether it's spreading the word or, or, or some of the obstacles that, that come up to kind of wrinkle your fabric. See, and, and I, you know, I was going to go on and, and, and say that, you know, we know, as I've just indicated, details are important. And, and God means what he says. And he says what he means. He's not, the word tells us, you know, he's not like man that he would lie. He's not like a man that he would change his mind. His hand is not shortened. Right? His power is not without or or is without limits the only thing he cannot do is go against his word we figured once the, once the children got into the promised land it would be all good to go right the first example the first time they got in there they went in jericho the walls fell oh it was good right marvy they got it they finally started to hang on right but no no somebody missed it he messed it up for everybody. Again, don't have time to go there, but in, in uh, Joshua chapter 6, it talks about Achan. And he took the things that were destined to be destroyed and kept them for himself. Or took the things that were to be dedicated to the Lord and took them for himself and then lied about it. It's not just Old Testament examples. We just finished reading, I think, in our in our uh, in our um, our chapters that uh, um, in Acts with Ananias and Sapphira, right? The church had everything in common. Nobody had any need, but they were in the habit of selling everything that they had and then bringing the money to the kind of the common pot. And so it became so commonplace that it was, it was almost becoming a point of honor. So Ananias and his Sapphira, his wife, they said, you know what? We should sell this piece of property and we should, you know, take the money and, and take it, but we won't take all of it. We'll just, we'll just, 
We'll, we'll put it in and we'll say that was all of it. I'm paraphrasing, right? This is the, the book of Acts according to John, but th- this, it's, it's all there. You can, I can give you a chapter, verse, follow it up. Be like the Bereans. Go and check the word. Make sure that I'm telling you the truth. Yeah. What happened? Right? They weren't... <laughs> the apostle told them, look, the property is yours to do with what you wanted. You could have kept it. You could have sold it. Once you sold it, the money was yours to do what you want with. You could have brought all of it or brought none of it. It was still yours. You had the choice. Why would you lie about it and bring part of it saying it was all of it? Who are you trying to impress? Well, it cost him his life. Drop dead. That brought some fear on. That brought a whole new realm to the work of the ushers. Right, because now they're not just dealing with food, they're carrying out bodies. Three hours later, his wife comes in, doesn't know what happened. She says the same story. Boom. Guys that carried her out, well, they're at the door, they carried her out too. Do we believe that God's word is true? Do you want to start seeing the power of God? (laughs) Do you want to see that power? Well, okay, we know that God is not a God of destruction, but there is a standard that's being set. Do we want to walk and flow in that kind of power? Then we can't be diluting it and watering it down. Truth is truth. It can't be, well, I'll I'll bring this and we'll say it's all. You know, I'll say this, but I won't really mean it. We'll do this, but we'll only do it because it's routine or tradition. That is not honoring God. And the whole purpose of the message, I think, tonight is, is and again, we don't, we don't have time to go everywhere. <laughs> Hallelujah. You are so cool, God. We are, we are encouraged, right, to walk a manner worthy of our call. If all creation is groaning, for the glory, to see the glory of God, do you want to be the glory of God seen? It's not going to happen when we have ruffled feathers. It's not going to happen when we have wrinkled and stained fabric. I'm using examples like we've, we've heard these, right? But you know what I'm getting at? Like, we cannot, we cannot walk and attain to the holiness of God. Now, whether we do or don't doesn't change the holiness of God, right? It doesn't change his empower. He can use us. He can use a donkey. But I would rather be a, 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 a highly esteemed prophet than I would a donkey, right? The potential is there for both, right? The choice is how we live and move and have our bedroom. We don't walk by what, you know, we, we don't earn it. I'm not talking about earning the gifts. I'm not talking about, you know, you can't move in the gifts if you're not so holy or you don't spend so much time in prayer. It's not what I'm talking about. And I want to make sure, you know, we get this. But there is a part of our, our, our part to play. We have to be obedient. We need to 
polish the brass, you know? We need, to, we need to do our part. Make sure that we're hearing what needs to be heard and that we're doing it the way he says to do it. We don't have to build on it. We don't have to embellish it. And we don't have to water it down. Do we have the boldness to believe that God, what God says is true? Yeah. Because if we don't, what are we doing here? We've got a whole example. We got 66 books that show us that not everybody had it right. It still works out. We're not saying that this is not going to necessarily cost you your salvation unless you really, really mess up and you know start declaring that God is not God and He's not your Lord and Savior, and you start declaring allegiance to the uh, to the to to, to um, the Antichrist. Then you might start getting yourself in some pretty perilous situation then. But that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about being an example. Right? We've heard it said before, and I know I've said it here before, sometimes we will be the only Bible some people will read. How clear is your message? Sometimes we send, we send mixed messages. We're all human. Those are like, don't, don't get all bummed out. It's like, oh, I'm never going to be any good. I can't do it. God can't use me. Remember, he can use a donkey. He can use you. He can fix it. The angel can stand in front of you, right? He can also warn you. He can speak to you. If you're willing to be taught, if you're willing to learn, if you're willing to obey, but how many times does the Lord have to say, how many times will these people not trust me? It stopped them from getting into the promised land. The promised land was there for them. The promised land and all his gifts and all his goodness and all his mercies and all the power and wonder beyond what we know or understand is available. It's the same God. He has not changed. His methods may change, as we read. They're not always the same. Just because that's the way he did it 30 years ago doesn't mean the way it's going to do it tomorrow. But that doesn't mean that his power cannot move and that you might not be the vessel that's being used. I can flat out guarantee you, though, if you're not a willing vessel, you won't get used. If your bucket is full of crud, it's not going to carry as much gold. Right? When the garden hose is kinked, right, water might still get through, but it doesn't flow as well. Right? Let's do our best. Micah, uh, Micah tells us this much. Uh, Micah chapter 6, verses 6 or 8. Again, po a popular passage of Scripture. What can we bring to the Lord? Should we bring Him burnt offerings? Should we bow before God Most High with offerings of yearling calves? Should we offer him thousands of rams and 10,000 rivers of olive oil? Should we sacrifice our firstborn children to pay for our sins? No, O people, the Lord has told you what is good, and this is what he requires of you, to do what is right, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God." 
In Ephesians, we'll, we'll, we'll wind it down here. Ephesians 4, ch- uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. Paul says, Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body and one Spirit, just as you just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, in all, and living through all. Let's show him to all. Thank you, Lord. We hope this message has encouraged you in your relationship with the Lord. For more information and ministry resources, we invite you to visit our website at www.newcovenantchurch.ca. We look forward to you joining us next time as we continue to live victoriously.